Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Are you annoyed by affirmations? Are you tired of that same old rehashed personal growth advice that all seems to boil down to think positively and all your problems will go away? If affirmations feel like lies and positive thinking feels like denial, then I want you to get ready. The Overwhelmed Brain is here to help you create the life you want now. Hello, this is Paul Coliani, host of The Overwhelmed Brain, the personal growth show for the critical thinker. On this show, I discuss practical, down-to-earth steps to help you improve your mood, your sanity, and your life. We'll talk about why we do the things we do and what we can do to reach higher levels of happiness and lower levels of stress and overwhelm. Today, I want to go over what you say to and about yourself inside your head. It's that inner dialogue that puts you down and makes you feel less than who you really are. Negative self-talk is like having a 24-hour complainer inside of you, nagging you, telling you you're wrong or dumb and will never succeed. It's that inner voice that doesn't support you and only has one thing in mind for you, to remind you that you are going to fail. It doesn't even matter if you succeed over and over again. That voice comes in and changes your mind. This self-talk is one of the main obstructions that holds people back in life. It's one of the major causes for feeling inadequate, insignificant, and inconsequential. Having a voice inside your head that says things like, I'll never be able to do this, or I'm so stupid, or any of a number of awful things we say to ourselves is damaging. Not only will it stop us from honoring what we want to do in life, it will also take away our power if we actually believe what it says. And that's just it, isn't it? We tend to believe the negative comments and put-downs that we make up in our head. We make them up, yet we still believe them. Sure, we could dive into our past and count all the times that we did something stupid or failed miserably at, but How often are the successes in our life overshadowed by the failures? By the time this episode is over, you'll learn where those voices come from and what you can do to ease up on yourself a bit. After all, even though your self-talk comes from you, doesn't mean it always did. You aren't born 
putting yourself down. But other people like to tell you how limited you are before you even get a chance to push your limits and see how far you can actually go. I mean, human beings are busting through previously considered impossible barriers all the time. Let alone, even the small beliefs that we develop drive our behavior and cause us to think inside a box. Before I started The Overwhelmed Brain, I had no clue how to make it in the world without working for someone else. Now, I'm an author and I host this radio show. I don't work directly for anyone, but I never believed it was possible to survive unless I found a company and worked directly for that company. Even when I was working 9 to 5 Monday through Friday, I had people approach me talking about them starting their own businesses. My main thoughts at the time were, I could never do that. I wouldn't even know where to begin. I completely shut the door and stayed in my small box of beliefs so that I wouldn't travel outside of my comfort zone. I had this self-talk all my life. Things like, other people can do that, but not me. It was very convincing because I believed it up until I felt cornered to change my life. I knew that I was starting to get jaded working with computers and I felt a calling to do something else. But the limiting thoughts I had definitely held me back. It wasn't until I heard that my job wouldn't be lasting long that I finally had the last straw. At that point, I made the decision to go out on my own and make something happen for myself. Sometimes we're backed into a corner and that's when the most important decisions in life are made. I made mine and started this show. This accomplishment caused me to change my inner dialogue so that I no longer talked myself out of things, but talked myself into taking more chances and walking into my fears. Your negative self-talk is what limits you from getting what you want out of life because you actually believe what you are saying. I think it's time to reconsider that the voices in your head may simply be fabrications that aren't true or false. They're just voices. Meaning, whatever meaning you give to your inner self-talk is how they come across. We'll talk about our inner dialogue today and how we can go from feeling limited to feeling empowered and taking positive steps toward the future you want. Bill Noss, clinical psychologist and author of 20 books, including Overcoming Procrastination, wrote an article on Psychology Today called Divide and Conquer Stress, Anxiety, and Procrastination. He writes about how to break the cycle of worry, anxiety, relief, worry, anxiety, relief, and repeat over and over again. You know what I'm saying, right? When you start to worry about something that may or may not happen, And then get anxious because you start to believe it will happen. Then, when it doesn't happen, you feel relief wash over you. What that does is reward you for feeling anxious. Because when you feel anxious and then become relieved almost every time you're anxious, the mind starts to believe that the fastest way to relief is to get anxious. It's a vicious cycle. Our brain loves to remember how to do things. It loves patterns. 
So once it detects a pattern with a reward, it will repeat that pattern every time to get the reward, unless you do something different to break the pattern. One step towards breaking the pattern is to do what Bill Noss teaches us in the article, and that's to counter what he calls the relief from worry effect. If the brain is used to being relieved from worry, it will repeat the process of worrying knowing there's a reward afterward. He calls this pattern-breaking process a relief from coping effect. It's a four-step change process that is designed to get you out of this cycle of worry, anxiety, relief. Worry, anxiety, relief. So here are the steps. First, name the worrisome situation. Come up with a very short answer to the question, what's the problem? You want just a few words that describe the problem you're having, whether that's no money or too many people in the room or I'm about to make a phone call or I have a headache. Come up with factual information, not emotions. You could say the situation is that I'm late for work. That's a factual statement and it's happening right now. This is when this process works best, when it's happening right now. So if you have something that you're going through now and you want to play along, describe in as few words as possible what the situation is. The next step is to find out what your worry belief is by asking yourself, what do I believe to be true about this situation? In the case of, I'm late for work, you could say, I will get fired. Or in the case of feeling anxiety about answering the phone, you could say, I am anxious about that person calling me. And though Bill doesn't mention this in the article, I'd recommend using the word because after your worry belief answer. Like, I will get fired because I am late. Or I am anxious about that person calling me because he will yell at me. Remember, keep these short so that we can work with them easier. Using a because helps you dig down even further why you are feeling the way you are. Plus, knowing this extra information will be helpful in a moment. So next is the coping question. This is when you come up with a counter question to your worry belief. If your worry belief is, I will get fired because I'm late for work, then your counter question could be, have I been late before and not gotten fired? Or, does the boss regularly fire people who are late? If the latter is true, then that's not really a counter question. But if it isn't, then asking yourself that question will be empowering. You want to come up with a question that counters your belief. Does that make sense? Here's another example. If your worry belief is, I am anxious about that person calling me because he will yell at me, then your coping or counter question could be, if he yells at me, will that really be a problem? Or does he yell at me every time? Or even, is it really a problem that he yells at me? Now, it could really be a problem in the sense that this person yells then follows it up with abuse of some sort. I mean, there is a point where you need to honor your personal boundaries and get out of a situation. You just need to gauge when it's needless worry and anxiety or actual cause to be concerned for your health and well-being. But if you find that you are in the worry, anxiety, relief cycle, these questions are designed to break that cycle. It's going to take practice for sure, but 
we have one more statement to make, and that's the coping answer. After you ask yourself the coping or counter question, answer it. So the last question I asked in the example was, is it really a problem that he yells at me? Now come up with an empowering answer like, no, he usually yells, then calms down, and everything is okay afterwards. Or in the case of, have I been late before and not gotten fired? You can have a coping answer of, yes, I've been late before and not gotten fired. Now, what the mind tends to do is wander into more scenarios like, yeah, but this time could be different. And if you do get sidetracked like that, and you start hearing yourself talk about the things that worry you, I want you to practice something that I learned from Dr. James Gills, and that is this. Talk to yourself instead of listen to yourself. That's it. Talk to yourself. Tell yourself good, positive things that will empower and benefit you. Don't listen to your negative self-talk. Now, if this reminds you of positive thinking and affirmations, I can understand why, but there's a perceptual shift I want you to make between this type of thinking and positive thinking, and that's this. When you choose to listen to the negativity inside your head, the kind that puts you down or thinks you're not good enough or smart enough, you are giving in to other people's poor judgments of themselves. Let me say that again a little differently because it's really important for you to embrace this fact. When you listen to the negative commentary inside your head, the kind that only makes you feel bad or less than who you really are, you are giving in to other people's poor judgments about themselves. This is deep and probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense yet, but I'm going to break it down right now. Whenever you think badly about yourself, it's almost always someone else's comments towards you from the past. You were born carefree and loving and wanting to be loved. You didn't develop judgments about others or hatred towards anyone or anything until you either witnessed someone else judge or hate or been victim to a person that traumatized you. Either way, you weren't born with negative thoughts about yourself until someone planted those inside your head. When someone else calls you stupid or ugly or fat or anything that makes you feel bad, they most certainly feel that way towards themselves. And they've lost the unconditional love that they once had when they were children because of the negativity fed to them from those around them. When I was growing up, one of my caretakers would point out the, quote, ugly people on TV and laugh. This planted really judgmental seeds in me, causing me to judge others based on their appearance. It took a long time to work through that because I didn't even know I was doing it until it was pointed out to me. Whenever you have negative self-talk, it almost always originated outside of you. In other words, from another person. And that person has to have negativity inside of them in order to try to make you feel bad. Others project their own insecurities onto you. This is why I know this statement to be true. When you listen to the negative commentary inside your head and believe it to be true, you are giving in to other people's poor judgments about themselves. So the next time you hear yourself saying, God, I'm so stupid, or I'll never be able to do that, then don't listen to yourself because it's not really you that's talking. Does that make sense? So, Along the lines of what Dr. James Gill says, 
talk to yourself instead. A good example of that is following up what you hear. Like after, God, I'm so stupid with something like, don't listen to that. Listen to me. You're smart. I've seen you do very intelligent things in the past. I know you're very smart. You may not know how to do this now, but you'll learn. I think you'll do great. This is a perceptual shift I want you to make. I want you to perceive yourself as a supporter that helps you through things. And when you hear the negative voice that comes up, I want you to picture that as someone else outside of you saying those things. An example of that is when I hear myself say, geez, I'm so forgetful, which does happen. (laughs) I'll picture someone else saying it and hear them saying it in their voice. But I do something a bit clever too. And you may have read about this in my newsletter if you subscribe. When I hear negative self-talk, I picture a donkey with big teeth standing in front of me and speaking those words. So I'll hear myself say, geez, I'm so forgetful. And then I'll immediately picture a donkey in front of me, (laughs) maybe chewing hay or scratching his butt up against a post or something and saying in the goofiest voice, "Uh uh-huh, you're so forgetful. (laughs) When I make a picture of a donkey, it makes me laugh. If it's not a donkey for you, make something appear that makes you laugh because what this does is lessen the impact of the statement. After all, why would you believe what a donkey tells you? (laughs) Not only does it lessen the impact, but it also breaks the pattern of hearing you say something bad about yourself and then actually feeling bad about yourself. When you do this enough, you'll start to laugh when you hear yourself say something bad. Now, not only do you picture the donkey or whatever makes you laugh, but you also counter it with something like, I can forget sometimes, yes, but that doesn't make me bad. It just means that I can't remember everything all the time. And that's okay because no one can remember everything all the time. Besides, you're just a donkey, so why would I believe you? (laughs) Or something like that. You see where I'm going with this? We have a tendency to create bad sounds and images in our head and then believe them. That's unhealthy because the bad stuff we hear ourselves say about ourselves is not true. You are not bad. You're not stupid. You have many talents and skills, even when you think you don't. The problem a lot of us run into is that we compare ourselves to others. We compare what we know or who we are or how much we make, what we own or what we look like, and a whole slew of comparisons to other people. When we compare We either feel less of who we are or more. So let's go over comparing ourselves to others and see if we can get out of that crazy self-deprecating loop, shall we? We talked about what to do with the negative self-talk. Now I want to talk about one of the roots of negative self-talk, and that's self-comparison. Comparing yourself to someone else is a futile practice in self-sabotage. It's one of the fastest ways to turn off appreciation and gratitude for what you have in your life and also turn on envy, jealousy, and low self-worth and esteem. When you compare yourself to someone else, it automatically sets you up for failure almost every time, unless you're comparing to better yourself and not put yourself down. 
And that's the key to comparisons. Make comparisons for the purpose of creating a better you, not to discover what's better than you. Quite frankly, no one is better than you. You are the best you there is, so there's no way to compare. This is something I learned at the start of The Overwhelmed Brain. I learned quickly that even if I gave the same advice that other people did, there was still no way to compare me to anyone else and people would still gravitate towards this show because of my uniqueness. Since I prefer not to repackage information, I come at subjects from a different angle as much as possible, so you won't find too much on this show that others have said. It's not to say it won't happen, but not only do I like that I'm unique and therefore impossible to compare to anyone else, I also like to forge my own path in the world by not always following what others do. Unique is what you are, too. There is no comparison and can never be. The problem a lot of us run into is that we believe in generalizations. Generalizations are what we believe to be true because they are proven true over and over again. A simple example of a generalization is the perception that all doors open with a knob or a handle of some sort. Whenever you see a door, you typically expect to see a handle with which to open that door. Of course, let's pretend that automatic sliding doors don't exist for a moment. Or let's go one further and imagine that you are approaching a car that you've never ridden in. Your friend gets in the driver's side and you start to open the door on the passenger side, reaching for the handle, but notice there is none. In fact, it's completely smooth. You look around the window because some vehicles have handles that are higher and you still find none. You stand there baffled because there's no handle to open the door. Now, generally, there's a handle, but this time there is none that you can see. So you knock on the window and your friend presses a button on his or her remote and opens the door a couple inches, which is enough for you to pull it open and get into the car. Generalizations exist all around us. We generalize that every bathroom has a toilet and that every elevator will have buttons to press. They are what continue to prove to be true or exist over and over again. Another generalization is that being wealthy makes you happy. Another is that being beautiful makes you popular or more likely to succeed. A majority of people will believe these generalizations to be true and therefore will compare themselves to others in hopes that they meet the generalizations of the world. The problem is that generalizations are not true. They're just generalizations. If I said that all chocolate is delicious, you'll eventually find a chocolate you don't like. So the first thing to remember if you're really good at comparing yourself to others is that you are comparing yourself to a concept, not truth. In other words, the concept of wealth might be that thinking that you need a lot of money to be fulfilled. But comparing your bank account with that of a wealthy person and then feeling bad because you have less money than them is like comparing Earth to Jupiter and saying that Earth is 1,000 times less important than the massive planet of Jupiter. They simply cannot be compared because they're unique. A person with no money can't be compared to someone with money. However, a person with no money can be compared to another person with no money and become inspired to earn money in some way. 
Though, if you have no money and you compare yourself to someone with lots of money and that inspires you, then you are playing the comparison game the right way. Here's a real world example. When I started podcasting, there was a podcaster that was making a lot of money with his show. Month after month, he made thousands of dollars and I was only spending money, not making it. I was starting to feel like a loser. I created what I felt was a better show, yet I wasn't making any money at all. I compared what my show made to what his made and felt bad. It was like comparing Earth to Jupiter. There's no way my show would ever compare with his because he is a unique person that brings a unique flavor to the world. So comparing myself to him was pointless, let alone the fact that it was depressing me not seeing any income from my show. So a day came where I stopped comparing myself to him because I realized the bigger picture. I realized I created this show to help as many people as I could improve their lives in some way. And if I really wanted to compare how I was doing to others, I needed to find other shows that were similar to mine maybe not making any money and at least in the same category of personal growth. When I did that, I suddenly had a whole new perspective. Not only was this show ranking higher than all the other personal growth shows out there, but there were other aspects I found superior in many ways, including the content and the quality. I mean, that's not to pat myself on the back or anything, but it did make me feel better when I started comparing apples to apples. I found out that some shows did things differently than I did and were making progress, and others did things that weren't as beneficial, causing them to slip in the ranks and be lost in the sea of thousands that never get heard. I suddenly realized that if the hosts of these shows were to compare their shows to mine, they might feel like they needed to improve. Or worse, they might feel bad that my show was better than theirs. But what they need to do is find out how they compare to other shows that are in line with them, not miles above or below them. I found shows that I could compare to and discovered many I could learn from, even the ones that weren't as popular. This is one thing I practice if I ever find myself comparing myself to other people. I imagine other people that may not be as well off as I am comparing themselves to me. This is where my perspective shifts and I suddenly feel like, hey, I'm no better than you. I put myself as the one others might look up to and say, wow, he's got it all and I have nothing. It's an exaggeration, of course, but that's what we do to ourselves. We exaggerate as if we're trying to feel even worse. Have you ever looked at someone and said something that sounded exaggerated? Like looking at a rich person, you might say, Wow, they can buy anything they want. But the bigger picture might be that they owe money on everything they buy. It's possible they can get more stuff, but it doesn't mean they own it. But even if they did, it's still a comparison that's impossible to use in your situation, unless you're wealthy. And I'm not only talking about money here. I'm referring to any situation where you feel the need to compare and then feel bad after you do. Remember, you can compare yourself to others and feel inspired or compare yourself to others and feel bad for what you have and where you are in life. If you feel bad after comparing yourself to someone, take your comparisons down a notch. 
compare yourself with someone along the same level as you and notice how that makes you feel. Comparing yourself with someone who is in a situation that resembles yours gives you an opportunity to feel like, hey, I can do that, or even, I can do even better than that. When you compare yourself to someone who's closer to where you are, you lessen the gap for the leap. You know what that means? It means when you decide to take the leap and improve yourself or your situation somehow, the shorter the gap, the shorter the leap. If you drive a Ford Focus but compare yourself to someone driving a Rolls Royce, the gap might be just too wide to cross and you'll feel bad. You'll get these thoughts like, Oh, I'll never be able to afford a Rolls Royce. Why bother? When you run a mile a day, you can't compare yourself to the person who runs 10 miles a day. You might be able to compare to the two-mile-a-day person, and that could inspire you to up your game. But leaping to 10 miles might be just too much and cause an immediate feeling of failure in you. Is this making sense? The farther the gap in your comparisons, the more likely you will feel bad. So if you're into comparing yourself to others, remember to compare only to those that inspire you to improve. Because if you're wasting time comparing yourself to those far from your perception of what's possible, you'll only feel like a failure every time. Comparing yourself to others isn't bad when it inspires you. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't have large aspirations that propel you forward to achieve your goals quickly. After all, the bigger the vision and the more it inspires and motivates you, the bigger your results will be. But if you find yourself in the comparison game, it's time to shorten the gap to shorten the leap to success. If you want to make a million dollars, prove to me that you can make one dollar. And if you can, Prove to me that you can make 10, then 100, and then 1,000, and then so on. Those small leaps to attainable goals will keep you motivated and inspired. But as soon as the gap is so wide you lose traction and feel defeated, you might give up. You just need to be aware that the mini goals are so much more important than just going for the gold on the first leap. Sure, the bigger the risk, the bigger the reward sometimes. But you need to be the kind of person that can rise up from defeat fast and get back on track. If you are, then you probably have no problem comparing yourself to others. In fact, it's probably always motivational to imagine what's possible. So when playing the comparison game, make sure to play it in a way that you always win. Feeling inspired to improve is so much more productive than feeling like a failure. But let's move on to what I consider the real solution to reducing or eliminating negative self-talk. And that is to boost your self-worth and self-esteem. After all, why would you have any negative inner dialogue if you felt worthy and thought highly of yourself? That doesn't mean you become holier than thou, but it does mean that negative self-talk will be almost non-existent with the presence of high self-worth and esteem, or at least boosted self-worth and self-esteem. I talk in depth about boosting self-worth and self-esteem in the episode titled Building Self-Esteem and Self-Worth While Avoiding the Ego Trap. So I don't want to get into it too much here, but I do want to close this segment with a little boost in your self-worth. 
Self-worth is what happens when you believe what other people say about you. It started in childhood and compounded over the years as you grew older. It is the result of all those years of believing what other people said about you. So if you think about it, if you didn't feel worthy growing up, you likely feel low worth and low esteem now. But the question arises, how do you boost either? Well, in the episode I just mentioned, I talked about having accomplishments. And as you create many goals and accomplish them, you will certainly boost your self-esteem. I also talked about allowing the ego to come out and play every now and then so that you get a big boost of self-esteem. The story I told is purchasing a car that I felt good driving around in. It was an ego boost to have a muscle car when I was a self-conscious teenager. So it boosted my confidence, which made me feel good. And when I got rid of the car, I chose to keep the feeling and let go of some of the extra ego I got from it. Also in that other episode I mentioned, I went over a deeper technique of visiting your past in your mind so that you can heal some stuff from your childhood. Again, just refer to that episode for the details as it may help you tremendously. But today I want to go over what it's like to develop a bring it on attitude and how you can use it to develop both your self-esteem and self-worth. I've talked about the bring it on attitude before, but it's worth including in this episode because when you develop this attitude in the face of hardship, you get beyond your initial fears and become accepting of what could be worse. The first thing I like to do in the face of adversity is ask, is that all you got? The more I do this, the more empowering it feels. It's not like an affirmation where you say to yourself, I know I can do this and I will be a better person because of it. It's more like acting. Whenever there's something that just seems too overwhelming or even impossible, I say, bring it on. After all, when it appears there's no way out, then I might as well go in with guns blazing. You ever heard that term? It's like walking into a situation with no fears. The path to a fearless life is to find things more terrifying than what you are afraid of and then face those instead. So if you're afraid of public speaking in front of 10 people, do it in front of a thousand. Suddenly speaking in front of 10 people isn't so bad after all. And you don't even have to face your fears for real. You can just imagine them. That's why I like to do the worst case scenario process with people. I ask, what's the worst thing that could possibly happen? And then when they come up with an answer, I ask, what's worse than that? And then they have to really dig into their fears. I might dig even further and further until they come up with something so bad that everything they feared before that has somehow lost its energy. Try this yourself. Think of something that you're afraid of. Think of something that you know you are afraid of. It could be something you don't want to do or someone you don't want to talk to or tell something to. Anything. Pick one thing. Got it? Now, what's worse than that? For example, if you thought, well, I'm afraid to tell my partner that I broke the dishwasher because he or she might yell at me, then something worse than that could be that maybe they won't yell, but they'll leave instead. And then I'd ask, okay, what's worse than that? And you'd probably go through another level of fears. Well, if he or she leaves, I'd be alone. And then I'd have to pay the bills by myself. 
So when you think about being yelled at by your partner about the broken dishwasher, it doesn't seem so bad now, does it? I mean, after all, you just imagined so many things much worse. And if you imagined what it would be like, you also felt the fears as if they were really happening. In a sense, you went through the worst case scenario already. So anything less than the worst case scenario is going to be less intense and more manageable. I think you get the idea. We tend to get worried about what's bad about one thing and then get focused on that one thing, forgetting that so much more could be a lot worse. This is where a lot of people develop anxieties because they get stuck on how bad that one thing is instead of realizing things could be a lot worse. When you go through in your mind all the things that could be worse, you end up having a new perspective of what's right in front of you. I mean, I realize we should all be optimistic and see what's good about a situation, but if that doesn't work for you, see what's worse about a situation. If I told you, just think about what's good about this situation, you know, think positively, <laughs> would that really help? If so, then do it. I don't want to change for you what works, but if it doesn't work, it's time to do something a little differently. Play the worst case scenario and see how it unfolds for you. Develop a bring it on attitude, letting the world know that you can take much worse than this and you'll be fine. By doing this, you start to get a bigger picture of things. The more you do it, the broader your perspective gets. The more broad your perspective, the more likely you'll be less fearful. Less fear in your life equals less negative self-talk. All negative self-talk comes from some sort of fear anyway. So it'd be nice to stop being so fearful so that you can live the life you want. Remember that negative self-talk has its origins in childhood and what you believed other people said about you. Those people knew as much about you as a fish knows about riding a bicycle. There's no reason you have to hold on to the erroneous beliefs of others. As long as you start talking to yourself instead of listening to yourself, you'll start reprogramming your mind and get it off autopilot. That's all that's really going on anyway, autopilot. Once you put a system in place, the autopilot takes over and does the rest. It's our unconscious mind simply repeating information inside of our head, even when that information is wrong. That's why it's so important for you to be very selective in what you expose yourself to on a daily basis. If you're watching shows that don't empower you in some way, you're probably feeling unempowered most of the time. If you are around people that have a negative influence on you, you're developing negative self-talk because of the consistent exposure. I remember I used to listen to shock jocks on the way to work in the 90s. Every morning on my way to work, I would tune into a radio station that had some radio host talking bad about people. I did this for a couple of years until I realized that my inner dialogue was mimicking their opinions. I would hear things in my mind like, I hate that person, and that's stupid, who would ever do that? But one time I caught myself saying it out loud about someone I didn't even know and figured out that I was simply repeating what someone else said. 
They weren't my own thoughts at all. I was on autopilot and was simply thinking and saying negative things much of the time. No wonder so many people said I was so judgmental back then. (laughs) Unless you become conscious of what you're thinking and saying, sometimes you just repeat what other people have said. That says a lot about your free will. How much free will do you practice when you're not conscious of your thinking? Free will sounds like a great topic for another day, but keep it in mind. When you practice presence and stay in the moment, you're likely to catch thoughts that flash into your head. When you're always consumed with the past or the future, you tend to go on autopilot and let whatever happens, happen. If you're not always able to be present, remember the lessons from today's show, which are, number one, remember the relief from worry effect. When you reward your worrying with relief every time, you unconsciously seek things to worry about. It's a vicious cycle, so use the four-step process to get out of it. First, name the worrisome situation, which is coming up with a very short answer to the question, what's the problem? Let the answer be only factual, not emotional, like, I'm late for work. The next step is to find out what your worry belief is by asking yourself, what do I believe to be true about this situation? In the case of, I'm late for work, you could say, I will get fired because I'm late. Next is the coping question. This is when you come up with a counter question to your worry belief. If your worry belief is, I will get fired because I am late for work, then your counter question might be, Have I been late before and not gotten fired? Asking yourself this counter or coping question will be empowering. You want to come up with a question that counters your belief. Now you want to come up with the answer to the coping question. If the coping question is, Have I been late before and not gotten fired? Then come up with an empowering answer like, No, he usually yells then calms down and everything is okay afterwards. Now, if your mind wanders into different scenarios and you start feeling worried or anxious again, practice lesson number two, which is talking to yourself instead of listening to yourself. Remember, you weren't born listening to yourself say bad or unempowering things in your head. You were born hungry to love and learn about the world. So programming took place that caused you to say things to yourself later in life that simply weren't true. If what you hear in your head doesn't empower you in some way, then talk to yourself and motivate yourself. Sometimes you have to be your own inspiration. Lesson number three is to decrease the gap in the comparison game. If you compare yourself to others and then feel bad, then find someone else to compare to that is closer to your place in life. Comparing yourself to someone who took 20 years doing what he or she did to get where they are is probably not a good idea if you haven't also done the same thing for 20 years. Remember, you can compare yourself to others and feel inspired, or you can compare yourself to others and feel bad for what you have and where you are in life. If you feel bad after comparing yourself to someone, take your comparisons down a notch and compare yourself with someone along the same level as you. Comparing with someone who is in a situation that resembles yours gives you an opportunity to be inspired because 
When you compare to someone who's closer to where you are, you shorten the distance of the next step you have to take to improve yourself in some way. And finally, remember to use the worst case scenario process if you simply can't get out of that negative self-talk cycle. It's just a thought process that reminds you that much of the worrying or difficult thoughts that you have aren't as bad as they seem most of the time. These aren't too hard to practice, so dig into your mind and let some of that old, unnecessary self-talk out. Besides, whenever you feel like putting yourself down, just remember that donkeys don't usually have all the answers. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I thank Ashley and Jake for their Facebook likes and Leah for her mention of the show on Twitter. Robin and Kristen for following me on Pinterest. Crystal, Deborah, Don, Dryden, Rhonda, Sophie, Bonwar, Jamie, and Maria for subscribing to the newsletter. Jade Inspiration from the Right On Baby podcast for continually promoting and supporting me without ever wanting anything in return. Thank you, Jade. How about Bo, Nick, Sandy, Abdelmoman, and Robin for their direct messages? And Dan for his crazy good review of the show on iTunes. And Andre, Regina, and Kathy, my sister, and Don for their five-star reviews of my ebook, Clear the Path to Happiness, at goodreads.com. Keep up with the show by heading over to theoverwhelmedbrain.com and sign up for your weekly personal growth message. You can also write to me anytime by sending me an email to paul at theoverwhelmedbrain.com. I want to thank the listeners who are using the Amazon link on the site to support the show. Be sure to shop at Amazon using the link theoverwhelmedbrain.com forward slash Amazon. If you find this show valuable to you, just say thank you by using the Amazon link before you make your next purchase from them. And while you're there, look for the book Clear the Path to happiness. You are all making a difference and it's going towards a good cause. You. If I didn't call your name in this episode, just know that I appreciate you and thank you for being there for me, listening, learning, and growing. So let's end today's show with some inner dialogue that empowers you. Close your eyes and relax. And listen to the sound of my voice. And as you listen, I want you to think of something that makes you happy. Anything that makes you happy. And for the next 10 seconds, I'm going to talk, but you don't have to listen because all I want you to do is just think of that thing that makes you happy. Maybe it's a place you'd like to go or someone you'd like to be with or whatever it is. Just go there or be there now. And starting now, just be there. Don't listen to anything I say. Just ignore it. You know, you are powerful and brilliant. You shine brightly. And everything you've learned over the years is a foundation that leads to something greater. So always believe in yourself. Especially when you know there's more to do. Because there's always more to do. And no one can ever do it like you can. You are unique courageous and brilliant now as you come back to the here and now 
Step into your power and be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. Because when you do this, you'll discover what I already know to be true about you. That not only are you brilliant, you are amazing. Amazing.